I am super far away from, well, I'm like two feet away from my microphone in the hopes that you will not hear me breathe. So that's exciting. We just overcome None of us has much But we all have enough We are made rich By the one that's our love This is just going to be a short little podcast It is not dropping on the weekend Because who's paying attention And because it's my birthday this week Thursday My birthday is on Thursday So I'm also in a different room And it is weird To talk in a different room I'm not sure I like this In fact, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. And you're probably also going to hear the air conditioner and maybe a cat. Since it's my birthday podcast, I wanted to finally talk about a queer topic because the last three, two, haven't been exclusively queer. They've been like queer adjacent. So I have a couple of friends who, that mean, they're late in life bisexuals uh, and I'm kind of borrowing that term from the phrase late in life lesbians uh which refers to women who didn't realize that they were lesbians until later in life i feel like late in life bisexuals are how do i put this i don't want to say more common because i don't have statistics to that effect but i do think it is easier for someone to go a large portion of their life without realizing that they are bi and that is because of heteronormativity. If you don't know what heteronormativity is, uh, you're not alone. It's basically the idea that heterosexuality is the default, that you are straight unless proven otherwise, and that everything in our society, everything in our culture is built around saying heterosexual relationships are the standard. Like that's, and aside from really sucking if you're not straight, It has an additional layer of being particularly confusing for people who are bi or ace or aromantic. Um, Aromantic, not aeroromantic. But it's really hard for people who identify that way, um, who have that identity. Because there's this layer of those identities where it's really easy to like blend in, so to speak. And I'm not saying that as like a camouflage technique, like we're blending in to to try and not be, I don't know, discriminated against. But because there's part of you that does kind of conform to that heteronormative ideal, especially for bisexual people, you know, there's a part of you that is attracted to somebody who is the heterosexually appropriate option. And I I have several friends who were raised as women And, you know, one of the things that they've said is that, you know, there's this part of you that is like, yeah, like I, it's not that I don't like guys. So maybe this is just how everybody else feels and I'm making a big deal out of it. Living in a society like this gets difficult because it makes it very hard to, to be able to definitively say to yourself, like, yeah, this is how I identify. This is who I am. I want to say that I I spent more than five years, but I think less than 10, having that conversation with myself. Like, am I really bisexual? 
I would look online. I would like try and find quizzes. I would look at books. And I reached a certain point where I just had to say to myself, if you are asking yourself this question for this length of time and you are this concerned about it, like you probably are by. Like that's just, that's just how it is. And one of my friends who is what I would call a late in life bisexual said something so awesome about it. Not like awesome. It's not an awesome sentiment, but the way she worded it was really great. I think that this, the way she worded it is something that probably a lot of women feel. I don't know men, if men would feel this way specifically, but definitely women, especially because people who were born as women who were assigned female at birth, there's this level of, there's an element of gendered socialization or upbringing where you're sort of trained to not take up a lot of space. At some point, you're going to receive a message that you should take up less space or your story is less important or you should talk less. That being a girl means that you are worth a different level of attention than boys are. And first of all, that sucks. And I think that there there's so much to unpack with that with queer women or queer people who were assigned female at birth. And I think that when you start, when I personally have started talking to people who are are asexual or aromantic or bisexual or pansexual, anyone who doesn't fall into the L or the G of the LGBTQIA plus plus, uh, identity umbrella, there is this element of thinking, I shouldn't be in this community. I don't belong in this community. I am taking up space that I don't deserve. And my friend said that part of her was worried that she was trying to take this identity as a way to make herself a little more spicy as a person. And I loved how she said, like, just a little more spicy as a person. Because that was just a fun way to refer to it. And also, I I feel like that's something that I've encountered a lot in my discussions with people about their queer identities. There is that level of, am I really queer? Or am I just faking it? I myself have had that that identity crisis, I guess you could call it, that maybe I'm bi just to be trendy. And then I have to stop myself because being bi isn't trendy unless you're Katy Perry. It's not super, I mean, it's fun sometimes, but you also deal with a lot of biphobia. I feel like if you have that worry, that's a pretty good indicator that you're not just doing it for the woke points. I'm sure that there are people who thought that they were gay or bi, or pan, or any part of the queer identity scheme. And they didn't actually turn out to be. But I am equally sure that there are people out there who have been telling themselves for years that they aren't actually a part of this community because they don't meet certain queer criteria. And they are. They are part of this community, and they've been missing out on being part of us, on resources maybe that they need, and community support, and being uplifted having social experiences with other queer people because they thought that they weren't queer enough or that they were just doing it to be trendy. And as anybody who has ever been on the receiving end of queer phobic comments can tell you, you really don't do it to be trendy. It's not fun. Again, like I said before, like there are moments when it's really fun and it's important to embrace your identity. And I will never, ever undersell the importance of that. 
But like there are times when it super sucks. It legit sucks. Like when you have really conservative relatives and you know, you have legitimate fears that this will, that coming out will change how they view you or speak to you, especially when they're conservative politicians or lawyers or ministers. It's terrifying. It's really scary. You don't do that for the funsies. You do it because you have to be honest about who you are. And that got a little real. I didn't really want it to get that real. But here we are. I don't know. I mean, I'm happy being bi. It's not like I know any other way to be. There was a really funny moment uh, last spring. So I uh, am a non-traditional student. I went to school for my bachelor's degree right out of high school like everybody else. And then I had a lot of depression issues, a lot of mental health issues. And I stopped going to school two years ago. I was like, you know what? I'm going to try and finish this. So last spring, I was in a class about um, the rhetoric of women's rights. And we were discussing a book. And I remember saying, this seems like a really gay sentiment that this author is expressing. Do straight women think this way? I don't know. I've never been a straight woman. And I think that for me was a tipping point as far as really finally accepting who I am. Uh, that I was able to say, yeah, this is who I've always been, even if I didn't have the words to express it. Another really funny thing happened. I think it was in that class and I was with a queer classmate. We were part of like a small group project and we were discussing something. And I think we both had this moment where we forgot straight people were a thing. It was a beautiful moment of queer solidarity. If you have never had a moment where you forget that straight people exist and that not everybody is queer, I hope from the bottom of my heart that one day you have a moment like that because it is, is so good and it's such a nice thing to experience. So I guess my, my birthday wish for you guys is that if you are struggling with your identity, that you find clarity. Because as scary as clarity can be, sometimes it is still clarity, it's still knowing. And that's better for me personally than not knowing, which is just irritating as all shit. But if you're asking yourself over and over again, am I really bi? Am I really not straight? Am I really, am I really, am I really? I feel like I gotta say odds are probably good that you're not. Or if you're sitting there asking yourself, and this is a discussion that I've had with myself the past couple months. If you are continually saying to yourself like, is this my gender? Is this my gender? Am I sure this is my gender? Maybe I don't identify with this gender. The odds are probably pretty good that you don't. There's probably an identity out there that helped that would describe how you feel. Like I have some friends who are agender. That was really enlightening for me. Also being asked what your preferred pronouns are every 20 seconds. Like I love being a gender studies scholar, but getting asked that a million times got so frustrating because I was just like, I don't care. I don't care. Use whatever pronouns you want. I don't care. Was really enlightening because apparently not everybody feels that way. I think that's just an important thing to realize is that, you know, if you're questioning these fundamental aspects of yourself and these aspects of yourself that heteronormativity would have you take for granted, like taking for granted that everybody is straight and that everybody is identifies as the gender that they were assigned at birth and that they were raised and socialized as. Questioning that is very important. Obviously, I, I feel like everybody should question that and interrogate that. But on the other hand, if you are asking yourself those questions over and over and over again, 
you just, sometimes you just have to accept, like, yeah, that's who I am. I ask myself the am I actually bi question over and over and over again. And I don't know what I was, what I was waiting for. No, I know what I was waiting for. I was hoping that there would be a quiz that I could take online. And the result would say, you're bisexual. And then I wouldn't have to worry about it anymore. There would be a definitive thing that I could point to and say, yes, I am a bisexual. Give me my membership card and my leather jacket and my plaid flannel shirt and send me on my way. But there isn't. And I mean, you can take like the Kinsey test or like look at the Kinsey scale. It's not a test. It's a scale. Or there's another one. It's some person's name. And it's about, I think it's more about gender than about like sexual preferences. But there really isn't a quiz that you can take that says, no, you're not actually girl gender or boy gender. You're both gender or you're no gender or you're actually bi, or you're actually a lesbian, or you're actually polyamorous. There's no quiz that I'm aware of that can give you a definitive answer. And if it could, it probably wouldn't be a satisfactory answer. Like for me personally, if I had taken a quiz like that two years ago, uh, I probably wouldn't have believed it. I'd be like, am I sure? Am I sure? Am I just doing this to be trendy and woke? And I just wish that I could instill that sense of surety of certainty in other members of the community or people who should be in the community but don't feel like they belong here that if you identify as something that is valid I I have this thing that I've been saying to myself over and over and over again and I feel like it's kind of like my motto it's the motto probably for this this whole podcast and it's that sexuality isn't performative and gender isn't aesthetic now, I don't know if I'm saying aesthetic right. I feel like I'm not. Sexuality isn't performative. And I think that that's important for people when the the heteros, the straights, the cis come along and start asking for receipts. Like, oh, how do you know? Have you slept with women? Have you slept with men? Have you slept with anybody? Uh, sexuality isn't performative. It's not based on my performance as a bisexual individual. I don't judge people's heterosexuality based on how many people they've slept with or if they've slept with anybody at all. And that's important to remember, especially if you are, and again, this is, these are the people that I personally have interacted with. If you were someone who was assigned female at birth, you had mostly, you had heterosexual relationships, maybe you're married or in a long-term relationship with someone who was assigned male at birth and who identifies as male and probably not queer, that you are valid as a bisexual. Like you are a valid member of this community because you are still bisexual. That's still an important part of your identity. And if you want it to be an important part of your identity, part of your identity that you seek community out based on, you have that right. You have that option. Now, granted, um, some of the people that I've talked to, you know, their bisexuality isn't uh, a huge portion of their identity because they've spent so long building other parts of their identity uh, and not necessarily grappling with that part of their identity. And that's valid too. You are allowed to decide, you know, what parts you want to prioritize. I think that it's just, it's different for people who have grappled with their sexuality for, for longer periods of time. So the, the friend who said the spicy thing, 
she didn't really grapple with that part of her identity until she was in like her late 20s. And so she built all these other aspects of her identity up until she realized like, hey, maybe I'm not straight. I didn't know these things were options. You know, and that's valid. That's a valid experience, especially uh, for people who grew up in like really strict religious environments or conservative communities that you didn't realize that was an option. And when that became an option, it wasn't something that you needed to, you felt it wasn't something that you wanted to pursue because again, maybe you were in a long-term relationship or a committed relationship and that's valid. That your experience doesn't negate your bisexuality. And that is up to you to decide how important to you that part of your identity is. Like for me, being bisexual is a very important part of identity because I spent so long grappling with it. I spent so long being afraid of it and being afraid for myself and being afraid of what my family and friends and community would think of me. And when you grapple with something like that for such an extended period of time, it becomes very integral to who you are. But that experience isn't necessarily universal. Is it common? I mean, yes, I think it is pretty common. But it is not the only experience. Again, this friend is very wise. We were talking about something else and she used the term flattening, that she didn't want to flatten the experiences of or the identities of other people. And I think that's really important for us to remember as a community is that as much as we have a lot of experiences in common, we can't flatten ourselves to thinking we are one kind of experience. We are one kind of coming of age, coming out story. We all have different experiences. We all live in different places. We have different intersecting identities. And we can't allow ourselves to be flattened either because when we allow ourselves to be flattened, when we allow certain images of ourselves as a community to be the dominant narrative, we risk vulnerable members of our community. And I'm thinking specifically of, you know, trans women, but also, you know, uh, people who are asexual or aromantic. When you flatten queer identity to one thing, you risk those people falling through the cracks. And that got really serious. I didn't want that to be this serious. I wanted to have a positive little message. So I guess just kind of circle around that. If you're questioning, that's okay. Uh, I hope that it becomes an experience that isn't stressful for you soon. I know that that's probably not going to happen because it stays stressful for a while. But I do want to say that as cheesy as it is, as cliche as it is, as much as you probably don't want to hear this, it does get better. There are people out there who, who get it. And we're here. We're waiting for you whenever you're ready. Hopefully that happens. Being bisexual is stressful sometimes. But when you get past that point, it's really fun. I mean, you're not going to find a date. You might. I don't. But, and that is not by choice. I know we're social distancing, but I'm so lonely. Oh my God, I just want to cuddle or hold hands with someone. Everybody send prayers to Freddie Mercury to find me a date. Thank you. But it does get fun. I mean, especially because I have less fear about how people around me, about how my family is going to react. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun being out. I mean, it's more fun than being closeted. But if you have to stay closeted for safety reasons, like that is super valid. Do not risk yourself. You are more important than an arbitrary status of being out or being in or whatever. And I think that's something that we as a community sometimes forget is that being out is still dangerous. 
And hey, there's a topic for next time. Um, definitely want to talk about how people have a really skewed view of what queer rights look like in today's day. Cause there is no shortage of grace See it open my doors and I let all the strays in Threw my phone away but friend of strangers Found out that they weren't that dangerous And that we are headstones so we exchanged them Wicked winds blew, we made a fight with the vapor We have a some strange reason of it chasing We did not lament the time that we had wasted Today's music is the song Come and Dance With Us by Elephant Funeral. You can find more of their music on the Free Music Archive. They also have a YouTube channel. Once there were these creatures that walked Naked and eating unashamed Full of freedom until they're loud Fear to disease Practice your social distancing. Please wear a mask when you go out in public. Listen to medical professionals, not people who have no medical experience. That's important. And as always, stay curious. In the face of evil, learn to be peaceful, but also how to wage war. Learn to turn away from the starving while I place for that our fear swallows once again, which made us safe. But goddamn, I swear that's not what we were made for. Sweetheart, cake, boy, the beauty beyond description. Our hands have treated both disease and a symptom. The very choice to make that paint a fucking picture. So let us get some beautiful out of our existence. One love like back in the day, one earth like we here to stay, one heart that beats through the pain, one people cause we are the same. Tell us lies that we grow to believe when we look inside our homes, all we see enemies. When we look into the mirror, how we ever fuck sees the people that we wish could have been before that. They will burn these thoughts and signs to choke hope. We need to breathe if we hope to live and not to be sculptured. So, this is toast to the broken homes. Invitation to all those with scars on the hearts and souls full of poems. Never forget that you're not alone. So, raise up, cause our time is now. The dark days will be winding down. No fear, no more hiding now. Cause all the cops will be smiling down. I swear that who my grandma's grave. I swear that who my mama's name. I swear that the world can change until it does. We will sing. Come and dance with us. Take a chance with us. If you don't have a home, you may.